She's very pretty. Is that the type of girl you're attracted to? I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. But I wanted a child. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Do you ever wish that she was dead? What? Bo? Are you on your way? I'm on my way. I just... Ah! It's not safe, is it? I sincerely doubt that. I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Toure. And Derek Wong. So this week we are talking about and reviewing the third feature film by Ari Aster, following 2018's Hereditary and 2019's Midsommar, Bo is Afraid. The movie, which is a horror-slash-dark comedy, stars Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Patti Lapone, and Parker Posey. It is based on Aster's own short film from 2011 titled Bo, and he's described the movie as Lord of the Rings, except it's about a Jewish dude trying to visit his mother. <laughs> Maybe we start off talking a little bit about Ari Aster. We've talked about his movies before on the pod. We've covered Hereditary before. We've spoken about Midsummer. I don't think we ever dedicated a full episode to the movie, but I think it's pretty well known that I'm a pretty big Ari Aster fan. I definitely like his movies a lot. I think Hereditary and Midsummer made both my 2018 and 2019 lists for their respective years, for the best movies of the year those years. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Ari Aster, and I was pretty excited to see Bo is Afraid, just a different mode for him that's not just straight-up horror. What about you guys? What do you guys think about Ari Aster? Yeah, I like him. I'm not in love with him, but I like his stuff. And I felt kind of two ways about this movie. I, had a, I was excited, because I do like Ari Aster stuff. On the other mm-hmm. hand, it had kind of two marks against it going in. One being that I'd heard that it was a very polarizing film, so I was like, uh-oh, what happened? And then second, just the circumstances of where I personally went to watch it were just not that great. It ended up being a 10 o'clock showing on a work night. It's a three-hour movie. But I was like, I'm going to end up coming out of the movie at 1.30. This better be fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> you got home at like 2 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, 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 like 1.30 to 2 a.m. Pretty rough. And I guess I'll just give my opinion now. I don't think it was entirely worth it, but I was much more satisfied than I thought it was going to be. Based on mm. the bar I had to clear. You went in being grumble, grumble, grumble. I was fucking <laughs> so late. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And walked I, I, out yeah, reasonably yeah. satisfied. There's always a little bit of a pall when it's, you know, like a three-hour movie. And the reputation for it is so polarizing, right? This is a movie that people, I don't want to say either love or hate, but there's a lot of hate for this movie. A lot of people do not like this movie. Derek, what is your relationship with Ari Aster <laughs> before we get into yes. our opinions on the movie or go deeper into this movie? I'll give you, I think, all the credit, Jeff. I don't think I would have ever really been entirely intrigued with watching Ari Aster's movies, but I'll give you all the credit, Jeff. I think you really pushed us to like, hey, let's check out this director, right? This horror director that ultimately I do really like both Hereditary and Midsommar. I think they're really great character studies on trauma and like relationships. And so when you have this movie coming out, which is from a director that I've generally liked his movies, and then it's also 
starring one of my favorite actors working right now. Like I think Joaquin Phoenix is great yeah. in like almost everything he's in. I think my excitement for this movie was high mm-hmm. and really kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, I think Ari Aster really brings out the big guns for his lead performances. They're all fantastic. I think Florence Pugh's incredible in Midsommar. I think Tony Collette is so fucking good in Hereditary. And no matter what we think about the movie, I don't know. Can we all agree that Joaquin Phoenix is great in this? Yeah, I really liked him. Oh, yeah. So he's quite good. Which movie do you like better? Do you like Hereditary better or do you like Midsommar better? I personally like, I think I like, oh, that's really hard. Um, I think I like Midsommar. Mm. I think Hereditary. Oh, I don't know, actually. I can't even answer my own question. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really great. They're different movies, you know yeah. what I mean? I think Hereditary is more like your standard possession horror movie. You got that fantastic performance from Millie Shapiro, getting taken out by that telephone pole. But the Midsommar like, cult stuff is great, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're different flavors. I like them both. I think the impact for Hereditary is greater. I don't think there's anything quite like sitting through that movie for the first time, not knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Just that mid-film swerve where you know, they kill the creepy kid and she dies. And, you know, that's some tour de force acting from uh, Alex Wolf, where he goes home and leaves the body in the car. That's just something you don't forget from a horror movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think the cliff scene in Midsommar is quite as visceral as that. Although, like, the murder-suicide stuff is pretty harrowing in the beginning, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, they're different. Can't really say which one I like more, but they're both great. But Bo is afraid. Oh, man. I think what made me so excited was the mixed reactions that it was getting. Mm-hmm. I feel like all... I don't want to say this before everyone gives their opinion, but like I feel like all the dumbest people hated this movie. I was like really excited to you know, see what Ari Aster was cooking. I mean, they're totally going to be smart people and writers dismantling this movie and thinking it's bad and you know, shallow and facile. I get those complaints about the movie, but also there are people who just dismiss this out of hand, and I don't really agree with that. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. Amir, you said you liked this better than you expected, right? Yeah, I would say pleasant surprise. I walked out of it with a similar feeling to the way I walked out of Titan. Now, don't get me wrong, this is nowhere as good as Titan is. Mm-hmm. Um, Titan's like one of my favorite movies, like probably ever. Incredible. You talk about it. I talk about it a lot because I really enjoyed that movie. But I had a similar feeling walking out of it. That what the fuck did I just watch feeling? Mm -hmm. The feeling of like I have to process this and kind of think about it and figure out what that was and did I even like it? I think Bo is Afraid gives you something to chew on. It swings for the fences compared to another movie we just talked about. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was a lot more fun. It was a lot more easily digestible. You know, Guardians is like – a McDonald's cheeseburger. Bo mm. is Afraid is like going to a restaurant never tried that's got good reviews and you try a dish that you don't quite know if you'll like and some of the courses are good and some of the courses are bad, right? Mm, it's a mixed experience in a setting that's trying for something elevated. Yeah, I think I'm probably the most positive on this movie out of all of us, even though I definitely have some pretty big problems with it. I think overall, I sort of liked it. What do you guys think? All right, well, if... Bo is afraid, then Derek is dumb. 
because um, <laughs> <laughs> based on what Jeff said earlier, because I probably am going to put myself out there as a person that probably liked this the least. It's really hard to talk about what I kind of was hoping from this movie and maybe not getting without getting into too much spoilers. You know, I think there are some fun, not fun, but like really great set pieces in this movie. And I, I think I was mostly with this movie for the first maybe hour, hour and a half. But there is definitely a point where I think I turn on the movie and I just stop buying into what this movie was trying to sell. Mm. I think the performances are great. A great performance in there also from Nathan Lane and his family. I think generally that piece is really great. And like all the acting surrounding that was really great. Patty Lapone as Bo's mom. She's quite good too. It's really sad to say that I didn't like this movie as much as I wanted to. Like I said, I was mm. excited about this movie. And I will say to Amir's point, I think part of it is I think this movie is just too long. Like I don't quite see why this movie has to be as long as it is. I think there are parts we could cut out. I get where you're coming from on that. I won't say I didn't feel the length. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of really good movies. Movies that I like better than this where you feel the length. Like I don't know, something mm -hmm. like Tar from last year. You know, mm -hmm. it was great. But you know, a long movie and you kind of felt the length on that. Yeah. This one's definitely over long in a far worse way than yeah, something yeah. like Tar. I mean, this is longer than Tar, no? Tar's not three hours. Tar's probably like 2.30 yeah, or something no. like that. This yeah. is a long movie, and I don't disagree with you, Derek. I feel the length. I think my feelings do turn on the movie at the same place yours do, but just maybe not as hard. But mm -hmm. I totally get what you're talking about, that inflection point, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. What about you, Jeff? What were your thoughts on this movie? I'm actually kind of mixed on this movie. So I'm actually quite like Derek. I don't think I disliked the movie as much as he did, because I was vibing with this movie for a good two hours. I was totally on board. I fucking loved everything it was doing. I loved all the performances. And I think we all probably have the same inflection point where we kind of fell off of, you know, being completely on board. But I don't know. I think a lot of the criticism is like the movie wants to be thornier than it actually is. And it, I think the criticism is that it's actually quite shallow, which I kind of agree with. It's not as deep as you think the movie is, mm -hmm. but it's too funny and too weird for me to like really give a shit about that. To write it off entirely. Yeah. I, I agree with so you totally. There's so much fun yeah. stuff in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the problem that a lot of people have with this movie is like trying to take it literally and trying to you know, actually dismantle the plot and find out what's going on and keep track of things. I think if you try and take this movie literally, you will have a bad time. <laughs> okay, did you guys have any walkouts in your theater? No, surprisingly, no. I don't really? think so. I had four. Wow. Holy really? shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's really surprising. When? Can you tell us? Two in the beginning. <laughs> wow. Okay, so just <laughs> not at all on board. Fair enough. Yeah. And then two at the forest mm. stuff. Okay. Which I kind of get. I wouldn't I walk get that. out. The forest is. Yeah, it takes a lot for me to walk out of a movie, but I understand that mindset. <laughs> yeah, so I loved like the first two hours of this thing, and then the last forty-five minutes, hour almost wrecked it for me. Mm. I think the final hour where the stuff with his mom, and then the jumbotron projection stuff. We're kind of jumping around, but I just thought it was just so overly explaining things 
where I don't think Ari Aster really does stuff like that. I don't know. It felt like a lot of hand-holding to me, where this movie didn't really need it, I feel. Mm -hmm. I think it could have ended in a much thornier fashion, and I would have loved this movie, like, beginning to end. But it had to go into that last hour where it kind of explained everything, and I kind of wish it didn't. All right. Well, I think we kind of give our general thoughts. I know we've given away some plot points, but I think it's probably safe to give a little bit of a synopsis, but then also kind of start getting into spoilers, right? Oh, plot synopsis? How do you even fucking summarize this movie you really can't i mean i mean it's essentially about a guy who you know he plans to go visit his mother but something happens right there's circumstances that cause him to not visit his mother and then he finds out that his mom dies is killed and the whole journey is to try to get to her funeral Mm -hmm. and it's just all these kind of different circumstances that seem to be getting in his way to make it to the funeral and then essentially a giant movie about mommy issues right so um, yeah (laughs) that's basically it right there's like a set piece takes place in his apartment there's a set piece that takes place with nathan lane his family we've already mentioned there's a set piece in like a forest theater community and then there's the funeral and then the mother in her home right Mm mm-hmm Let's split this up into two pieces, right? It seems like we all really enjoyed the first, what, hour, hour and a half. And I think those are the ones in his apartment, but then also the ones in Nathan Lane's home, right? Mm-hmm. What did you guys like about those? Okay, so what I like about this movie is it gets its dream logic extremely accurately, I think. At least for me, I have dreams where like I'm trying to accomplish something and then I just can't. Everything is in my way. Things don't go as expected. It just seems like the universe is against me in trying to get whatever it is I'm trying to do done, right? And this movie, I feel like, really conveys that dream logic flawlessly, and it is some of the funniest shit. Okay, I don't think anyone in my theater was laughing, but I was laughing at a I lot of this like shit. I felt like a psychopath because I, I was know, cracking right? up, and nobody else thought this movie was funny, and I was dying. The movie is funny. The movie is funny. I mean, the first 45 minutes of this movie, it's Joker 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Like, Joaquin is really in, like, the most phantasmagorical Gotham City ever. It's just, whatever fictional city he lives in in this movie is just, like, lined by slavering criminals and horrible, like, I don't know, stabbers. Everybody's super hostile and mean and just deranged. It's Mm -hmm. wild. And it's so, so, so funny. Yeah. Like, you're saying it's dream logic, but it's also really intricately set up. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, we open with, uh, well, I guess after the birth or whatever, but you really open with Bo going to his therapist and getting some medication. The therapist warns him sternly, like, okay, you have to make sure you take this medication with water. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so funny, too. I fucking love that (laughs) shit. Which ends up coming back uh, just very shortly. So he's trying to go home and one of the first insane things is he's like sprints into frame (laughs) in order to like get into his apartment building and close the door before this guy lurking nearby is able to get into the apartment building and like i don't know kill him eat him or something like if the guy looks like a complete monster (laughs) like oh my god so like this city is just insane it's just completely dystopian and you get some like clips of the news talking about uh a serial killer who runs around stabbing people. Yeah, the birthday boy stab man. That's yeah. the birthday boy stab man, exactly. I mean, it's just like so dystopian. And then to add to uh, what Jeff's talking about, like everything conspiring to stop Bo from getting to his mother's. 
there's a ton of noise overnight. He's unable to sleep. And he's getting blamed for it. Somebody's slipping notes under Dude, his door. It's so funny. It's the notes so are funny. so funny. They're blaming him for the noise, and then they're like, "Hey, I slipped a note at your door," and then you turn it up, you oh, fucking yeah. asshole, or whatever. <laughs> and he's like so baffled because he's not making any noise. He's just lying in bed trying to sleep himself. It's so funny. Those notes got me on board with this movie. I was like, this is so funny. And then there are a lot of people who are complaining. It's like, so who's making the noise? That's not the point. Who gives a right? shit? Yeah. Right. The point is he's getting blamed. The point is that this building something. is a hellscape, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so he can't sleep. He oversleeps. He's rushing to get to his flight to get back to his mom. And he's rushing out the door. And in the end, he gets his keys and his bag stolen. And he's rushing to take his meds. And there's no water to take the psych meds. <laughs> yeah, they turn the water off in the building so you can't yeah. drink the water. Yeah, so he's now without keys. So he's scared to like leave his apartment or his apartment building because – uh, he doesn't want to get locked out, or he doesn't want to leave it wide open for people to come in. But he also has to go get this water because he sits out to the computer to like Google what happens if you take the medication yeah. with the water, and it's like you will die instantly or something. So he's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> he goes downstairs, and he's like, in the end, decides to use a phone book to prop open the door so he can run across the street to a bodega and grab the water, and then get back to the apartment building. But there's all kinds of like just vagrants. Lurking around, and these are like not normal, like I don't know, unhoused people or whatever, like in real life. Like these are like people straight out of Arkham Asylum. They're like all comic book villains. Like they're just clearly yeah. evil people. He doesn't have enough money for the water, so he's like trying to get the change out of his pocket to pay the guy for the water, and then he's like threatening to call the cops because he doesn't have enough money or change. He's just turning around, and like he sees all these. People shambling into his apartment yeah. building. Like zombies. And then, like, they almost. make their way yeah. into his apartment. Dude, it's so funny. It's so funny. And he's running across the street to try to get to the door before it closes. And of course, it closes right in his face. It's so, so funny. He's going to make it, but then someone like turns around and, and removes the book that he put there and like yeah, closes yeah, the door. Yeah, yeah. This movie is just like Bo's worst case scenarios coming true in front mm -hmm. of his very eyes. And if it's not that, it's something even worse. You know what I mean? Not only is the water off in the building, the building also puts up a sign about a brown recluse spider. Yeah. Which is like a poisonous spider. And of course, where is it? It's in his apartment. <laughs> yeah. Check off spider. Because you can see it crawling under yeah. the sofa in one of those earlier scenes. Yeah. Everything is super well like set up. All of these things are set up yeah. to go off about five minutes later in the funniest way. Yeah. The movie looks incredible, by the way. Ari Aster working with Paweł Porgozalski again, his go-to uh, cinematographer. A lot of cool stuff in this movie. You know, like the jump cuts through time. It's really, really cool. This movie looks great. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite scenes, I think, from this first part, you know, if we're still taking it from like where Bo's apartment is, the call he makes to his mom, where he finds out. With the UPS man. Yeah, with a chandelier fell on her head. Yeah, Dude, it's such a weird conversation. I love that, too. It was great. He's like, call back. Maybe you called the wrong number. Like, he called his mom. He didn't call the fucking wrong number. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. She's dead. Her face is just gone. Like, a chandelier fell on her face. And Joaquin's acting in that way was great. And the way that just the whole thing was just framed. And that was a great scene. Bill Hader, by the way. Oh, is that Bill Hader? Yeah, Bill Hader. Oh, I Cameo as the UPS nice. man. Nice. You know, so we transition from uh, Gotham City to the next part of the movie because 
I mean, the brown recluse spider gets involved. A guy drops onto Bo directly. He, like, runs naked out into the streets. Gets stabbed by the birthday boy killer or whatever. <laughs> and then gets hit by a car. Yeah. And so he's uh, convalescing in what you think is the most insane hotel room ever. But it's actually just, like, a 16-year-old girl's bedroom in a house in the suburbs. And, like, it's so interesting to see the difference between this, like, hellscape Gotham City that we're coming from to, like, this idyllic suburb mm-hmm. at first, which eventually becomes more and more sinister kind of as time goes on. Yeah. What do you guys think about this second kind of act in the house? I like the house stuff, too. Mm-hmm. There's this threat of this inexplicable surveillance, you know, Amy Ryan's grace handing him cryptic notes that you don't know what the fuck is going That's on. That's one of the coolest parts of the movie. He's watching TV in their house. His savior, the lady who hit him with a car, but also the lady who, I guess, saved his life afterwards, um, and he's convalescing in her house. She gives him a remote and tells him to turn it to a particular channel. And on the TV, he's watching himself. But he can Mm -hmm. rewind it and go back in time and also fast forward it and clips on the TV of what's going to happen later on in the movie. Yeah, it's wild. It's very weird. And then, like... He's also being passed these weird notes saying, like, don't incriminate yourself mm-hmm. and things like that. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And that's actually some of my favorite shit in this movie is that, like, that yeah. weird stuff is really, really cool and creepy. Yeah. And the couple's, like, housing this crazed combat veteran who served with their son who died in combat. Uh, his name is Jeeves. And he's, like, this traumatized war veteran who flies off the handle all the time. I like this part of the movie, too. And then. Their piece of shit daughter, Tony, mm-hmm. <laughs> who gives one of the most memorable deaths in the movie where she drinks that paint. Insane. She's like, drink it with me. <laughs> I really like the character of Tony because I, I think it's a good compliment to the Bo character, right? I mean, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. the second part really speak to what this movie really is about, right? Like our trauma we get and like parents feeling like they're caring for one child more than the other. And like that kind of mm-hmm. does to Tony to the point where like she just takes her own life with blue paint yeah yeah it's crazy yeah it's a crazy sequence what do you guys think about his comparison to lord of the rings it's kind of accurate right i think (laughs) if we're talking like hero's journey right at least until the very end of the movie i don't know if you're not familiar with the hero's journey i think this movie is a pretty good distillation of the concept more academically is known as the monomyth the story archetype where Our protagonist is called out of his or her normal familiar life for like a typically supernatural undertaking leading to some sort of moment of revelation. And by the end of the story, he returns back home with a gift, physical or metaphorical, and he's been transformed by the experience. So this literary scholar and writer named Joseph Campbell, he came up with the term in 1949. And I don't know, this movie kind of follows that to a T until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, this is basically like the hero's journey for a dude who doesn't want to come and has crazy mommy issues, right? Basically, that's what that is. But yeah, I think we all fall off at probably the same point. Do you guys have anything else left to say about, you know, the Amy Ryan and Nathan Lane characters or? No, that whole section of the movie rolls too. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I was on board with that whole part. It's really, really good stuff. I mean, I will say that I think it's pretty funny how Bo escapes and he just like runs through a window and just screams yeah, through yeah, the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny too. Getting chased by like this maniac of a person. <laughs> but yeah, I think the next part is definitely where the movie starts to lose me. 
running into this kind of weird theater troupe where then he has this kind of psychedelic cartoonist trip. What is that Rick and Morty thing where he like sees his whole life uh, when he plays the video game? Interdimensional TV? Or is that no, it? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, he plays through a guy's whole life in life, the virtual yeah, reality thing. Yeah, for yeah, like yeah, yeah. four minutes or whatever. Anytime I now I see a sequence where someone lives their whole life in like a matter of minutes, I think of that. That's one <laughs> It's called Roy, A Life Well Lived. That's yes, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I get those kind of vibes. This is the point where I start to. Uh, not convinced I'm going to stay with this movie, but I don't know. What did you guys think of that? Okay, so I understood what it was going for. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's very well executed. It's going for like this Michel Gondry, Roy Anderson type, Charlie Kaufman type vignette mm-hmm. with the theater troupe. Um, it's got like the animation in it. It's interesting to a certain degree, but it's too long and it doesn't really have that much to say about yeah, it's like, like what Bo's going through. You know what like I mean? It's like not weird enough. Yeah. So it like doesn't fully keep you latched into this second world. Like the only kind of weird thing is like the story within the story being the same story as Bo's, right? Like that's probably the only like really yeah. weirdo element yeah. that I enjoy. I love a play within a play. Ray Hamlet. But yeah, it's not weird enough. You're right. So it just kind of ends up spinning its wheels a little bit. I mean, basically, it's just about, I guess, personifying his anxiety for the future, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, transplanting his mommy guilt to his own potential to become a father. So this whole theater troupe thing is that he's spending his entire life looking for his family after they've been separated by a flood. But it goes on forever. It just goes on really, really long. I mean, what else did you guys take away from this? Was there anything else that you guys got I mean, from yeah, this? He's like, after knowing the ending, it's even sadder that this middle sequence because it's all these things that he wants and can't have. Right. Yeah. Right. Like at that middle point of the movie, you're like, well, maybe he still is going to be able to manifest these things, these things in life that he wants and make them right. happen. But, you know, by the end, it becomes clear that that's never going to happen. So looking back on it in retrospect, that stuff is is sadder than uh, I read it initially. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to add, so we can move on. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of this last section of the movie, this last kind of fourth act of the movie, is kind of where everybody gets off board. Yeah, well, I actually thought the beginning of the funeral stuff is great, reconnecting with... Elaine, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah with uh, Parker Posey's Elaine. Dude, I, I could not have laughed harder Yeah, at that and- reveal with her, with Parker Posey. I... Yeah was floored. I like the flashbacks, too. I think the flashbacks add a lot of color to the Beau character. You know, like this contrast between this assertive teenager Elaine that Beau has a crush on and, you know, like Zoe Lister-Jones as Beau's younger mom. I like that stuff. I like that stuff, too. I think, what's the actor's name that plays young Beau? Uh, Armin Nahapitian, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great too. A lot of people thought he was like artificial intelligence generated or some shit because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he looks just like Joaquin Phoenix, I guess. Yeah, there's something uncanny about his look in this movie, which I think is very, very funny. But yeah, he didn't have as much of a part in this movie as I thought he was going to have. Yeah. Just because like he's so prominent in the marketing. But I don't know what little stuff that he got to do in this movie was great. I like that too. Yeah, Parker Posey as adult Elaine is great. Yeah, that reveal is just so fucking funny. Incredible. It's fucking horrifying too. Incredible. It's scary. 
It's great. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Dude, the look on his face when he's convinced he's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And realizes yeah, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. going to. It's incredible. His mom told him that his father died conceiving Bo, right? That's mm-hmm. what she told him. They have like a heart condition. Bo believes, yeah, he has a genetic condition where if he ever has sex, he'll die. Yeah. Which is um, an insane thing to tell your child, right? Like, talk about <laughs> trying to give your kid mommy issues. Well, it's not like, even just absolutely sex. Psych. It's like, it's if he ejaculates, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea of why his balls and like his, you know, there's a whole... Yeah, his distended testicles. And you see a glimpse of it when he's like naked in the movie. Yeah, like, he has, yeah, He's like yeah. this huge penis and like balls and like that's all plays a part of it. This is a guy who's pent up sexually his whole entire life. Right? For his entire right, life. He's yeah, supposed yeah. to be like what, in his 40s or 50s or something? Yeah. 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 Ultimate blue balls. Jesus. <laughs> I know, right? I was actually a little surprised he didn't literally do that to him, right? Have this big set of actual blue balls. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting to the point where Parker Posey's Elaine, you know, is there at this funeral and like they have sex and Joaquin thinks he's going to die, which he doesn't. He lives. But then he realizes Parker Posey's Elaine is the one that dies, right? Yeah. Basically frozen in her orgasm. She becomes this literally stiff body. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, It was really (laughs) funny and really scary, too. One of the funniest things in a very funny movie. I died. Instant rigor mortis. This is another thing where, you know, like, Bo's... Biggest anxieties don't come true, but what actually happens is even worse. worse? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, this is like where the movie really turns into like the surrealness where Mona, Bo's mom, is revealed to be alive. And then she has her helpers remove Parker Posey's naked, stiff body from the bedroom. <gasps> they carry her like a suitcase, like a statue. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's insane. Like a cardboard cutout of a person. It's yeah. one of their face frozen in the bloodshot eyes. It's fucking creepy as shit. Yeah. And then this is where I completely fell off the movie, I think, Mm -hmm. with the reveal of Mona still being alive. So apparently it's the housekeeper that was killed by the chandelier. They say, like, there's a birthmark on the hand, and you can tell by that, which is kind of a shame because I think Patti LuPone is great in this final stretch of the movie. I just don't think it's executed very well. And it's a little heavy-handed with all the stuff it's trying to explain, you know? It's like a super villain Bond moment that you, like, didn't need. Yeah. Revealing that the therapist was in conspiracy cahoots with the mom the whole time, you know? Like, taping the recordings, making, like, the laundry list of every time that Bo disappointed his mom in whatever way. It's just really heavy-handed and over-explanatory, which the rest of the movie did not seem like it was going to be doing that. And that's why I liked so much of the other stuff that came before, you know? Like, if it didn't do that, I think I would have really, really loved this movie. (laughs) And then, you know, the attic stuff. I actually like the attic stuff, Mm -hmm. but the way that Mona has to explain everything up there, I kind of didn't like oh that's your secret twin brother your father is this giant penis Penis. monster (laughs) so i liked the secret twin brother a lot yeah so patty lapone going that wasn't a dream you idiot it was a memory Mm -hmm. was fucking Uh chilling yeah chills running down your spine scary shit and it's a shame i think the penis monster is so goofy it takes you out of that 
Because I think having an actual scary reveal in that attic, yeah. I think kind of rescues that entire segment of the movie. Mm. But I think making it a goofy penis monster, like very literalized Oedipal, whatever the fuck is going on. Yeah. I think it does rob the movie of a lot of its punch. If there's something, I don't know, like let's see something creepy with the twin. Let's see something creepy with the attic. Like I just, yeah, I didn't love the direction he went with that. Yeah. Okay. So have you guys ever seen Ari Aster's short films? No. No. So Bo is Afraid is very much of a piece with his short films. And it's very different from like Hereditary or Midsummer. It's very edgelord provocateur stuff. And I think there's a clash here where, you know, you have the reveal with the creepy twin brother. And then you got like this stupid edgelord penis monster shit that he's just trying to get a rise out of the audience. And it just doesn't go together, Mm -hmm. you know? But even then, that's not like my primary issue with it, even though like the penis monster is quite goofy. (laughs) But I'll take it, whatever, you know? Like what other directors are they letting take giant swings like this and making a movie like this, you know? Not many. I'll take it. But the way, you know, it segues into the boat trip, into the Jumbotron and the dueling lawyers, I definitely didn't like at all. I was sort of a little over it at that point, too. Yeah. It didn't ruin it for me the way it did for you. All right. So, like, what happens is he escapes from the house and he takes a little motorboat and he's driving the motorboat and it goes into this little cave, I guess. It's like this cave in the beach and he suddenly finds himself i guess what is it it's like an arena with a jumbotron in it yeah he's basically on trial but this is like after he accidentally kills his mom after she berates him he puts his hands around her throat and then accidentally pushes her into like this table and she dies he's like put on trial and then his mom is still alive and then richard kind's dr cohen is acting as a prosecutor going through like all the ways that you know bo slighted his mom and then there's, like, this weak defense lawyer who's trying to defend Bo and, like, advocate for Bo. But it just kind of falls flat for me. This movie didn't need that. Mm-hmm. I think this movie really lost me. And this is where I think I'm going to lose you guys. Because <laughs> I don't think you guys are going to agree with this, where I thought this movie was going. And and I think you've kind of alluded to this already, Jeff, where it seems like the circumstances around Bo's life seem to be so directed towards getting in his own way or mm-hmm. it's like the most negative or worst case scenario that could happen to Bo. Mm-hmm. And I thought this movie was trying to set up that the trauma of having to go see his mother, the trauma that his mother has caused him his whole life was a mental break for Bo. Mm. And that for me would then kind of explain like why it seems like everything around Bo is just going to shit. What was really telling to me was like early in the movie when he goes to get the water across the street. Once he gets into the store, the store owner's like doesn't seem to be at all phased. It all just seemed like this was all in Bo's head. I mean, it could be. I just think like applying logic to this movie is like a fruitless endeavor, I feel. Mm, Yeah. But I definitely get that. I definitely get that. I can definitely see like how this could be construed as like a mental break. And, you know, like, the whole end of the movie, you know, is just this giant subversion of Hero's journey. Like, he never makes it home. He's not transformed by the journey. He's overwhelmed by this anxiety 
and his boat explodes and it capsizes and he dies, he drowns, and that's it, right? Which I actually like the destination that this movie got to at the end. I just didn't like the last hour of this overly explanatory stuff, the trial and then Mona's speech after the funeral. That just really didn't Mm -hmm. work for me. I don't know. I don't want to assume that I know better, but like, I don't know, maybe have less dialogue at the end with Mm. this, you know, see that the mom is alive, go to the attic and find your twin brother, but don't say anything about it. Don't explain it. Even have the penis monster. Who gives a fuck? I'm all for the penis monster. And then he just has a complete breakdown and he still escapes on the boat. And then, you know, he sees like maybe apparitions of the lawyer and his mom who's still alive at the arena that's fine but like all this overly explanatory stuff maybe get rid of and you know still have the boat capsize and still have him die i like that stuff it's just i don't like how they held our hands for it you know what i mean what'd you think amir yeah i think i'm with you on that i think i think i'm still the places where the movie bothers me yeah but it didn't ruin it for you, like yeah. I think the things I liked, the pieces of it that I liked, carried it enough that I was still overall reasonably pleased with the movie. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one to recommend, right? Oh, like absolutely. it's long yeah. and it's strange, and it ultimately I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. So, like, it's tough to recommend. But I'm still kind of glad I watched it, and there's some really fun things I got out of it. I admire the hell out of it. I think. I do think that for me, it was really hard to wrap my head around the movie once I realized like this, literally the movie is very literal. Everything I'm seeing is, that's what Ari Aster is saying, like it is happening as we see it. I then have to start questioning like why, right? I think that's just my own prejudice and like towards the way I like to see movies, I guess. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. How does a giant penis person work? Or like, I don't like, think you're supposed you know, to take anything literally in this. You're movie. worried about how he fills out his fucking W two, Derek. <laughs> Come yes. on, dude. No, it's just like, how did that even work? Like, how? Like, I don't care about the penis monster's relationship with his landlord or whatever. Like, it just it doesn't. Okay, he's literalizing metaphorical shit, but not that literal, dude. I think that's the problem. You're going full on Amelia Bedelia on us, and you need to take a little step back. (laughs) I mean, and I think maybe I'm getting to the dumb category here. I think this movie is very literal, though. Like, it's hard to read this movie as not. I think it's the other way around. Okay. I don't know. It was very hard for me to not read this movie as, like, literally, like, literal. Like, everything I'm seeing is what he wants me to see. Like, I get it, what you're saying. Like, I think if you're like, oh, did it or did it not really happen? Like, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. Right? So, like, if you're saying that it's literal in that sense, then, like, I think I agree with you. But I don't think it's literal in the sense that, like, the penis monster doesn't have to make naturalistic sense in this, like dreamscape metaphorization of Ariaster's problems with his mom. Yeah, what is Ariaster's problem with his mom? Because he's definitely got problems with his mom. Especially <laughs> after Hereditary in this, right? <laughs> this is some full-on Fableman shit. This guy is a grade <laughs> A sicko. <laughs> the first half is Joker, and the second half is the Fablemans, and it's just not as good as the Fablemans. <laughs> Alright, well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I mean, not really. I still like this movie. I just think I would have loved the movie more if it wasn't so heavy-handed in the end. But it's a big swing. I always recognize and admire a big swing. 
And, you know, this is one of those A24 loss leaders. They know it's not going to make that much money, but... Ari Aster patting out his resume with the weirdest movie he's ever made. I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what he does next. This is not turning me oh, off. Oh, for sure. Ari Aster in the slightest. Yeah. I admire the hell out of this movie. Yeah. I have similar pain points to you two guys. I totally get your guys' criticism of the movie, the length, the flabbiness in that middle act, the ending getting weird and gets overindulgent. And I'm totally with you guys in most of those criticisms. I just think that fun first half of the movie and some of the bangers in the second half kind of make up for for me. And overall, I walked away pleasantly surprised. I don't disagree. I think I'm more positive mixed than negative, I think, on this. I will say that this will not stop me from watching another Ari Aster movie, but I am a little more cautious now. (laughs) Just a little bit. I'll just say that. I think those are my final words. But I guess if there's nothing else, that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You'd find me trying to rent an apartment in Bo's neighborhood because it'll probably be the most affordable place in New York. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me at the World's OKS Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other popular apps. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our show out to more people. Yeah, if anyone any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Ari Aster's Bow is Afraid, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.